change things up a little bit. We're taking a little break from our Ephesians series today. We'll be back in it next week, and we'll kind of close out the, the rest of this month and the first week of July before we hop into our new relationship series. But uh, I've asked these guys up here to do something that is going to be extremely difficult for some of them. Text messages were flying yesterday as they were like, oh, I'm nine and a half minutes in, and, uh, and I'm not done yet. And I'm like, well... Back it up. And so we're trying to work through all these different things. But these guys are going to do great because they have seven minutes to convey to you something that they've learned in their process and in their journey with Jesus. Something that stuck out to them, something that God has, has dealt with them about in their heart. And so I've looked at the topics and we got some great topics up here. And as well, we're going to keep them accountable this morning. So there's going to be a seven-minute timer that's actually going to go up on the screen there. <clears throat> right? And then if they're over it, security is going to tackle them. And um, <clears throat> that'll be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. I don't get this timer when I preach. Just that's me exercising um, privilege. And so, um, <clears throat> but uh, so these guys are going to do a phenomenal job. So first up, uh, we've got uh, Seth. And uh, many of you know Seth. And so Seth is going to take the next seven minutes and let us know what's up. Yeah. There's nothing like going from the drums and like moving around like crazy and then trying to prepare to talk and it's already counting down. Talk. We're going. We're going. It's good. It's good. Hey, so I'm going to keep it like really simple. And, uh, and I was thinking about this last night because um, simple is good for me. I'm a simple man. I'm yet a simple man. Yet a simple and humble man. No, okay, we'll stop there. Hum- hum- humility isn't always in, in that case, right? But I'm going to try to keep this simple. Um, and, and, and God knows me. God being, I mean, being Father's Day. First, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. We love you and appreciate you. But I was, I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm really, like, trying to, trying to keep it simple. And God speaks to me, really, in simple ways because he knows me. He's my father. He knows me better than anybody else out there, right? He knows you better than anybody else. So he keeps it simple for me. And, and so I'm going to do the same thing with this and, and talking about what I've learned along my journey um, with Christ, and that being the key word, with. So I, I'm not going to ask you to turn to the scripture here. Um, I'm just going to read it in time. And because I'm drumming, I'm shaking. This happens after I drum. I swear it's the drumming. It's not the nerves. It's steady. It's steady. It's steady. So but it's good leading off, right? I feel like I'm a leadoff hitter, you know, on a baseball game. Like, I have no pressure. All I got to do is get on base, and these knuckleheads got to knock me in, right? So they've got to they hit the home run. They got to knock me in, so I'm, I'm good. I'm good right here. I'm the leadoff here. Hey, baby. So one of my favorite stories in the Bible, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 18. And I'm going to read this real quick. When the servant of the man of God rose early to, in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with, everybody say with. With. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Everybody say with. With. Then Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. And when the Syrians came down, he prayed that the Lord, to the Lord and said, please strike the people with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness in accordance to the prayer of Elijah. I love this line right here. Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
this is my simple kind of topic this morning, and it all revolves around the word with, W-I-T-H, with. Such a simple word, such a um, small word, four little letters that really I think can hold a lot of power and a lot of weight when you put power and authority behind it, right? So when we talk about with, we're talking about being together. We're talking about being with something. We're talking about whether we're with our families, we're with our children, we're with our friends, we're talking about being with, we're talking about being together. And I think it's safe to say, I mean, we're unapologetic here at The Well that we are a relationship-based church, right? So we believe in with, all right? We believe in being with Christ, with Jesus, right? We believe with being with each other, holding each other accountable, praying with each other, sitting with each other, walking through struggles with each other. Right? So we are all based around this with, and most of all, being with Christ. Being with Christ. It's amazing the crazy amount of things that people will do to be a part of with and a part of being, to be part of something that's kind of bigger than them. I just heard, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but a recent Guinness world record was just broken for the most skinny dippers at one time. That just sounds awful. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just sounds absolutely awful. I would have no desire whatsoever to be a part of that. Anybody else with me? Everybody raise your hands, please. <laughs> yeah, right? So I think it's funny to the lengths that people will go to be with somebody and to be with a group of people. And we love that here at The Well. We want to be a place where you can be together, that you can find relationship in that. I'm totally off my nose. It's all good. And I got two minutes and 21 seconds left, so we are good. We long with with. I think uh, I'm going to skip around. You watch it. You're coming up, right? Um, going first, I'm just the guinea pig. It's all good. So um, I think one of the main ways that I have found um, to be with is to invite, right, to invite people. And one of the best ways, I think, to be with God and with Christ is inviting in him, inviting him in during our worship time, during the worship that we have with him on this corporate level that we do every Sunday morning and on a personal level that we do. I put on worship music in my car all the time. I love to worship. It is one of my passions. It is one of my favorite things to do in the world. And oftentimes it'll kind of get me in trouble a little bit. I remember one time I was worshiping. I pulled in the drive-thru Starbucks. It was a long line. And I'm just sitting there. It was uh, in the song, Be Still, which we should do. Um, it's a great song. Be Still and Know That I'm God. It's a great song. And I'm just worshiping. I'm worshiping. I'm driving. I'm driving. I get up to the window, and the guy just looks at me. And I just look at him. And I'm like, what's up, bro? And he's like, what's up? And I look at him. I'm like, I didn't order, did I? And he's like, nope, you didn't order. And I'm like, well, why don't you just have my coffee ready for me? We get engulfed sometimes, and it's good, but when we are with God and we are with him, everything seems to kind of all go away, kind of all wash away, right? And it's in those moments that we learn him. We are, um, we are gaining knowledge of him, and he is, we're seeing him as our father. We're seeing him as our friend. We're seeing him as our brother. I love this, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. He is with you. So I want to pray one thing over you real quick. And my prayer is take time to be with people this week. 
people that can help you in your situation. Take time to be with people that, you, that need you, need an encouraging word, need you to pray with them, or just need someone to sit with. Take time to be with him, to worship, to pray, to talk with him, to cast your cares. Be with him this week. Thank you. Come on, would you get something out of that? Be with Jesus, be with people. All right. You did good. Seven minutes. Nailed it right on. Wow. You guys have a lot to live up to now. That's, that's awesome. Well, next up, y'all love him and know him. Come on, can we put our hands together for Pastor Justin as he comes up here? Great job, Seth. I think the weirdest part about being up here is that these guys are behind you. That's kind of strange. So today, I want to get in to talk about being first responders instead of rapid reactors. Okay, what is a reaction? Come on. Who has stepped on a Lego at 4 a.m. in the morning with their bare foot? That is a reaction, pure and simple. My son, uh, a few weeks ago, woke me up around 5 in the morning, and he was kind of like, Dad, Dad, tap me on my head. I'm like, well, I'm thinking something's like about to happen. And he goes, it's 5 a.m., guys. I'm out of it. He goes, Dad, why did you lose your hair? Now, a reaction is what I wanted to give him, but a response was what was needed, right? Sometimes we want to react. I'm going to get there, trust me, but a response is needed. What is a reaction? It's a knee-jerk action to something that happens. But what happens in those moments is we don't tend to understand everything that is going on. And they're usually based out of fear or anger. Come on, somebody. First responders, they know the facts. They trust their calling, and they lead in that situation. I love an EMT. We've got Dave right here. Come on, firefighter Dave. Love Dave. He is an example of, and we have great first responders here at the church, but they know what is happening. And the difference between reacting to something and walking into a situation where life will throw you some darts, will throw you some rough times. We can either react, which is out of pain and frustration, or we can wait and understand what God is doing and respond in those moments. Come on, somebody. Don't be mistaken. Reactions are easier And they're based on our human nature. But isn't the kingdom different? Isn't it kind of backwards? In Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies. It's like, that is backwards thinking, Jesus. But that's the way that the kingdom of God operates. It's very, very backwards. And Jesus modeled how we respond throughout his life. So I've got three points. I took like a full-on message, and I've got three points. So we're going to do this. Number one, point number one, how do we live a first responder life? Put your guard up by letting it down. Put your guard up by letting it down. We do this in surrender. When we worship, we give everything to him. I, I, I want to be a person that, does, that tries to give everything to Jesus instead of trying to handle it all myself. Because when I do it all myself, I tend to react. I tend to, 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 to lash out of things that I've dealt with versus trusting in the calling that Jesus has put on my life. But that's what doing it all ourselves is instead of trusting him. And our, our, our generation has a lie that we always have to have this brute strength and shoulder everything, right? As, as guys, I've, I've seen that lie that's happened. And, and it's the strongest place that you could be is with arms raised high, surrender to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Even Jesus, the strongest person, didn't want to carry his burden. He surrendered in vulnerability to God. We learned that in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was, he was pleading with God, I don't even want to take this. But your, your first reaction could just be throw it all away, no, I'm done. And Jesus surrendered and he responded to a good call. Come on. Number two is to get perspective. Get perspective. 
One of the easiest ways to respond instead of react is to gain perspective. Who's seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? Any fans? Any fans of that movie? So there's a part where they leave on this road trip. They're driving from Rhode Island to Aspen, California. Beautiful. Um, and there's this point where he's like, according to this map, we've only gone like six inches. It's in that moment you realize that he had no perspective, right? He was way too high looking down at this map. And, so, and sometimes, wow, this is going somewhere. Sometimes when you react, you're too far down, right? It's not until you can get a bird's eye view of everything going on that you can see that what life just threw you, whether you just lost your job or you're going through financial trouble, whatever, it really is just a blip in how long our life really is. I just wrapped Dumb and Dumber into a spiritual thing. Come on, somebody. Get perspective. Don't look at the picture too close. The problem you are facing is really short in comparison to how long our life really is. The more that we focus on our current issues, we forget the little blessings that he's provided along the way. That's what perspective will give us. It puts things down. We could see the mile markers as we go sometimes, but they come too far. So we need to get up a little bit and see the journey ahead of us. And that will help not a, a knee-jerk reaction or something, but respond the way that Jesus wants us to, okay? Number three, and I have cotton mouth right now, so I apologize. I built in like, thank you. First responder right there. We built that in. All right, number three is to change the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. Who knows that an atmosphere that you are comfortable in is a better place for you? Luke chapter 6, verses 45, it says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So many times when we want to react in life, it's because we've got some problems with the, uh, with the pH level of how much Jesus we have in our heart at a certain point, right? And it's about changing that level so that when your first response uh, can be out of a place where it's overflowing from a good spot. The only way that we could do that, how do, we, how do we change that atmosphere? Come on, get before God. Worship. Spend time praying. Get in your car. Put on some worship music. I know that when, I, when I'm dealing with stuff, usually it's traffic when I'm driving in this state, I got to have worship music on. Or I might get into an accident. Come on, somebody. Think of a glass that's full of dark water. The dark represents our struggle, sin. When we pour a little bit of clear water into it representing Jesus, it doesn't change much. But keep pouring, keep pouring, keep pouring. Come on, it eventually will change. And that's an encouragement. The more that we dump Jesus into our life, the more that we read our Bible, the more that we get into worship, the more that we keep pushing in to what God has for us, we could change the pH level of our life and, and, and not tend to react towards things, but get perspective and just respond, right? Because life, this gener our world needs a church of first responder people. They need fathers who are first responders that when life throws darts, when, lights, when life gets us trouble, that we don't just react out of anger or fear, but we respond knowing who Jesus is, knowing the calling that he's placed over our life, over this church. And so let's be a church who respond because the atmosphere of our life is changed by always seeking after the presence of Jesus. Amen, somebody? I'm going to give 30 seconds extra to next on the clock. Come on. Come on, put our hands together for Pastor Justin. So good. I think the losing of your hair has made you wiser. It's awesome. It's, it's going good. Yeah, so good. Well, I've known Abel for a little while now, and uh, if you don't know Abel, you need to get to know Abel because he is an amazing dude. I love this guy's heart. 
um, I love the spirit about him and Carla, just um, some, of the, some of the best people that I know. And uh, so he was one of the first ones that I thought of. Sorry, guys, to the rest of you. But one of the first ones that I thought of that I was like, I want to hear from Abel uh, because uh, just, just Abel's life and, uh, and who he is, who I've gotten to know him to be, and so many of you have gotten to know him to be. It's just a, it is a beautiful thing that God is doing inside of Abel, and I want some of that to come out this morning. So come on, can we, can we welcome Abel as he uh, comes to share his heart with us? So I'm going to speak in Spanish. Yeah. So, no, okay. <laughs> Anyways, all right. <clears throat> so my little topic is legacy, right? What does it mean to leave a legacy? I didn't like the definition of Webster's Dictionary, so I came up kind of with my own. <laughs> it says, legacy is to leave places you go and people you meet better than you found them. Pretty simple, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Whether you realize it or not, though, you are writing your own legacy every single day. Legacy is like planting seeds in a garden that you might never get to see. The truth is many of us believe that legacy is about being famous, being the greatest athlete like Michael Jordan, not LeBron, <laughs> or have people shoot, shout out your names in concerts or be a great innovator or, a, you know, just an author, anything like that. What if God's plan for you? is to be the best husband, the best father, the best friend, the best son? What if it's to be the best little league coach or the best mentor to a young man or better yet, just the best you, right? What if God's plan is for you to break a cycle of abuse or addiction in your family, to change the course of future generations, to be hope to those that are hopeless or to love someone that has never been loved? Never think that what you have is insignificant. There will always be someone out there that needs what you have. I'll tell a little story. My, my dad grew up with, uh, not a mom and dad, uh, his mom, his uh, aunt and uncle raised him in Mexico. He grew up, they used to own a, a brothel in Mexico. He lived upstairs. Every morning he would get up super early, come back super late, go to school, work. And he's like, I don't want any of this life for me, right? He didn't know that he was building the legacy even for me, right, for my life. Ah, I can't cry. <clears throat> All right. He went through college. He took him through college. He's a professor. He's got three degrees. He's working on his master's right now as, at 86 years old, right? So for me, it's like what a legacy he has left for me, but not only for me, but all his students, right? They come back, they're engineers or they're politicians or attorneys or anything, and they come and thank him for all their, his years of, of, of just knowledge to, towards him. Um, I have a lot of useless knowledge that I have, and I share with my kids now. <laughs> and usually it's, uh, you know, stuff that I learned from him. Karina, my daughter, she's always like, what, where did you even learn that? I'm like, I don't know. My dad taught it. I don't know, you know, so life, right? <laughs> now, a um, little scripture. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. As Paul talks about the end of his life, there's three statements about his legacy. One of them, he's fought a good fight, meaning he fought in his life. His life was not easy. He went through a lot, but he kept going. He finished the race, meaning he never gave up during his marathon of his life. He simply finished the race. He kept the faith. He remained true and loyal to God. He stayed faithful no matter what. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't, he doesn't say that he didn't mess up, that he didn't screw up. He didn't say that he lived a perfect life. He never talks about 
the life that he had, the education, how many people he brought to Christ, anything like that. He clearly wanted his legacy to be that he was faithful and he never gave up. Now, I ask myself daily, too. I wake up and I said, what, what type of legacy do I want to leave for my kids? What type of legacy do I want to leave for the next generation? This is choices that I need to make daily and, and you guys need to strive to make daily as well. Just fight the good fight. As the great philosopher Rocky says, <laughs> it ain't about how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's quite simple, not, but it, it means watching my attitude, my words, my actions. It's about making ethical decisions and having character and integrity. Um, so I'm in the military. Some of you know, some of you don't. <clears throat> in 2016 I, was, 2016, I was in Iraq. I was part of a lot of things that uh, helped shape that country. And uh, just looking back now after Pastor Jason asked me to, you know, speak on something, it's like, man, stuff that we did that we, I was a part of, I, how many generations were changed? How many kids' lives were changed now that they're free from any oppression they have there? And just being a part of that, just that little part, right? There's a song from uh, back in the 90s, 80s. <laughs> it's called, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but I kind of summarized it a little bit. But it's in, imagine walking into heaven. A little kid comes up to you and says, hey, thank you for teaching that, you know, kids class. Thank you for giving of yourself that class, right? Because of that, one of the Sundays... That you, that you prayed, I accepted Jesus in my heart. And you wouldn't have known, right? Um, another man comes to you and says, you know, a missionary came to your church and your pictures made you cry. He said, you didn't have much money, but you gave it anyway. And then Jesus, Jesus took the gift you gave and that's why I'm here today. Imagine just person after person just coming at you and say, thank you for this. Thank you for doing this. And you're like, wow, I have no idea that those, what you might call insignificant things that you did, actually changed and shaped generations of people's lives. So legacy, you get to decide the legacy you are going to leave. Now, which is that going to be? That's all I got. <laughs> Come on, let's put our hands together for Abel, dude. I love you, man. So good. See, that's why you need to get to know Abel. He's just, ah, I love his heart. I love some of the stuff he has. And he's the funniest dude ever. Like, if you just want to laugh, just go, hey, I need to laugh today. Just go talk to Abel. He will make you laugh. Or he'll make fun of you. One of the two. And, um, and uh, I, either one. <laughs> but it's good. So, hey, uh, last up, I guess, uh, uh, is getting ready to knock it out of the park. Is that what we do? Is that, yeah, here we go. So uh, many of you have already started to familiarize with, uh, with Pastor Andrew and Pastor Caitlin, and, uh, and so they're going to be our new North Community pastors, and uh, so I thought it would be an awesome, awesome moment to have uh, Andrew come up here and close it down for us. So come on, we put your hands together, and welcome Pastor Andrew She shares the word with us. All right, I want you guys to high-five somebody and say, you look good today. <laughs> All right, that's right. We're going to wrap this thing up. So as I was preparing for this, uh, a word that really has been defining me in this season of my life is courage. And God's been really speaking to me and dealing with me about what courage is, what courage looks like in the face of your own life, in the face of your own situation. 
So for courage for me is something that in the face of fear and circumstances, you stick to your gut. It's one thing in my life personally I've continued to cultivate and desired for God to give me. Courage is produced by faith in God. And so the most simplistic definition of courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. And I have this story um, that happened about seven months ago um, when my wife was pregnant. And this particular night, I was at a, a football game, U of U. And uh, I was just, <laughs> yeah, go Utes. <laughs> so I was at a football game, and my wife calls me, and she's, mind you, she's, she's pregnant. And um, she calls me in the middle of the game, and I'm like, why is she calling me? She knows I'm, like, having fun, cheering for these dudes. Like, why is she calling me right now? And she calls me, and she's like, hey, babe, I, I think my water broke. And I was like, and she's, she's pregnant. We had our, our first child or whatever. And uh, she was like, I was like, what? And mind you, like, we had just scored a touchdown. So it was loud. I'm like, what? You're, you peed your pants? Like, what, what's happening right now? You, what's, what's going on? She's like, no, I think my water broke. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so the guy that I was with, <laughs> the guy that I was with, I, uh, I whispered over to him. And I said, dude, I got to go. Like, my wife's water broke. And mind you, so this was a month before our due date. So I was a little, like, stressed out about it. I was like, oh, no, like, is she full term? Like, what's happening? Like, Lord, like, you're going to have to help me get through this. And so we jetted out of there, and I went to my car, and I just started praying. I started saying every scripture I could. I was just praying the house down in that car. Like, the anointing of God was in that car. I was like, Lord, I need you. I need you in this moment. And he gave me this scripture in Deuteronomy 31.6. It says, be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down, and he won't leave you. And that was what I needed in that moment. I was like, okay, okay. Like, Lord, you're going before me. Like, you already know. You know the beginning to the end. You know what's going to happen, Lord. This baby is your baby, so you're going to protect her. You're going to guide her. You're going to protect my wife. And so I just started praying that, that scripture, those, scripture, those scriptures over our lives. And I, I got home, you guys, and I was like, I'm not ready. I'm, like, listen, like, this, is 30, this is 30 days before our due date. I was not ready. We didn't have a crib. The crib was not set up. The diaper bag was not packed. Nothing. Nothing was ready. I didn't even have a car seat. I was like, okay, well, Lord, you're going to protect us or something's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And so I just started believing God in those situations. And then there's another story that I want to share real quick. Um, just recently with Pastor Jason, just meeting with him for, for coffee and when he had first approached me about being the North Community Pastor. And when he had first asked me that, I was like, okay, well, we just came from ministry. We just came from Atlanta. And in this season, we're, you know, we're just about to have a baby and, and I'm taking over a dance studio and, and all these other things. And, and I begin to, like, he asked me, he's like, I want you to pray about being the North Community Pastors. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to pray about it. And I, I acted all cool and chill, like, okay, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> but when I got in my car, I was like, okay, like, what are you calling me to do? Because the Lord really, like, in, in that moment, he was like, he was seeding something in me. He was teaching me something. And, and those next few weeks, I was, like, looking at Pastor Jason and Justin and their transitions. They're so smooth when they come up here. And it's like, you know, it just goes, it just goes. And I started comparing myself to them. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't do that. There's, no, no. I, 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 think I'm, I think I'm the wrong person. I think, I think God has somebody else for them. 
and he was just challenging me. He's keep, he keeps challenging me. And, and this scripture, I was talking to my friend Joe, and he said, take courage. You could either choose to take courage or you could either choose to take fear. And I want to encourage you guys today, there might be somebody in here that is desperate and that, that may need something from God right now. And I'm telling you, take courage. There are dreams and visions that God has placed on the inside of each and every one of you. And I'm and here to encourage you guys today, take courage. Don't choose fear. Don't choose fear. Choose to walk your divine destiny. Choose to walk in purpose. Choose to take courage. That's a step of faith when you choose to take courage. Amen. I want to read this quote to you um, from uh, this, this guy. He says, courage is not an autonomous, self-generated virtue. Courage is always produced by faith. Whether our faith is in God or something else, courage is a derivative virtue. See, when you know the strength behind your courage, you would face any situation head on. When you know who's fighting for you, Pastor said it last week, when you know who's behind you, who's backing you up, you would choose to take courage. So today and this week and the dreams that God has placed in your heart, I urge you guys and I commend you guys to take courage, to believe God. Don't succumb to fear. Don't succumb to doubt. Don't succumb to unbelief. But take courage. Believe that God has the best for you. Amen? Amen. All right.